Amazing. Give me five. Awesome. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I'm married into an amazing family, and actually, it's pretty cool because um, uh, my wife's dad and mom helped, uh, were a part of the planting team for this church, and he was uh, the first worship leader here. It's so cool that I'm now here, married into a great legacy of a family. Uh, the other thing I realized when I was preparing my sermon is uh, my wife's family, the Messers, when they were at this church is when they first adopted. They've adopted five kids, and they adopted their first kids when they were here at this church, and now I'm back here talking about the orphan ministry. So it's so cool on a family Sunday because the reality is the seeds we sow matter so much. Man, they matter so much. So we're going to talk through some of that today, um, but let's pray. Can we pray? I believe whenever I preach, the, the Bible says the, God, the Word of God is alive and active. So I actually believe we can change. Our lives can be radically changed in a moment um, because the Word of God is better than the most incredible surgeon's scalpel. It can come in, into our heart, into our life, and pinpoint things and change things and convict things. So I just want you to pray, not out of rote, but out of heart, saying, God, I really believe I can actually, you can encounter me today. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you gave us a word, a Bible that's alive, that's active. And not only is it words, but God, you've sent your spirit here to be God among us, to be Jesus with us. And so God, I pray that as I preach, that it would actually be your words cutting into lives, cutting into hearts, bringing conviction, bringing encouragement, bringing inspiration, bringing truth, God. Whether, whether it's to the kids in the back, whether it's to us up front, God, I pray that your spirit would move and your word would do what it does and make us more like you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm Justin, and I am here with my, one of my sons, Ty. Uh, he's 17. And that makes me feel weird because I don't feel that old. Um, I also have three other boys. They're 12, 9, well, he's 11, I guess. He's not 12 yet. Uh, when you have so many, the numbers blur together, to be honest with you. So he's 11, 9, and 5. And then we have actually an adopted daughter from Ukraine who it's been a battle and a struggle that we'll write a book about someday because it's crazy. But long story short, she is coming home this afternoon, which is unbelievable. Amazing. And so it's been amazing to see how, like I said, there's been seeds sown through the years of orphan care, of ministry. And we've actually had the privilege of running a nonprofit that my wife and I started called Legacy Refuge. And our goal is impacting orphans. Our mission is to see every orphan uh, come to know Christ, heal from trauma, and live a healthy, productive life. And the most beautiful thing about it is we actually do it as a family. Uh, we, we serve as a family, and so we've lived in Ukraine together. This last Christmas, we all gave up our Christmas as a family. We went to Europe with our family and team. We actually traveled 7,000 miles in seven weeks and delivered 700 presents to orphans all over Europe who had been evacuated from the war. And so I love to see how God can use you if you step out. And one of the coolest things was... My eight-year-old, after one of the, the camps of us giving presents and doing programs, he said, Dad, you're right. Giving is way better than getting. How cool is that? So kids in the back, you hear me? Listen, giving is better than getting. <laughs> Your parents want you to know that so bad, so bad. Uh, we're going to play a video, and normally I do a video 
Oh, wait, before I do that, this was in your bulletins, you guys. This is uh, our card. So we are doing Christmas presents again for orphans in Europe. And those are the orphans that were from Ukraine, evacuated because of the war in Europe. We're going to be going back with our team to bring Christmas presents. And we do not just presents. We come and do a three-day program. We do emotions classes, gospel. Every night we were able to share the gospel with these kids. And so we're going back to orphans in Ukraine and Europe, bringing Christmas presents as a family again. And so this is in the car, uh, in the thing you can give to that. We're in the back over here outside. Uh, me and my son will be there after the service, and you can chat with us. Um, I wanted to share a video, and normally I share a current video, but I wanted to share a video of a year ago when the war had started in, in Ukraine, and we were, like, God had put us in such a time to start pulling kids out and be a real difference there. I ended up on Fox News, which was crazy. All this stuff happened, and it was like this moment of, like, we're just, like, we were just missionaries in Ukraine. Like, now what is happening? And so I want to share this video and, and I'm basically going to be talking through some of the principles that got us to this place where we felt like we were being used immensely and how we believe it can help your life to matter and, and be used by God in a powerful way. Sound good? All right. Amen. Let's share the first video, please. Victims of the brutal Russian invasion are helpless orphans stranded in the war zone. In times of war, the most heartbreaking images are always children suffering even more so with orphans. As soon as the war started, we were working round the clock to help bring our kids, friends, and team to safety. Right away, Justin and his team went over to Europe to try to help bring people over the border safely. Uh, Justin, in the country of Ukraine, what is the overall need as we look at the pictures here of some of the orphans? There's over 100,000 orphans, and as we know, there's only a couple small orphanages, private orphanages, that have gotten across the border. I stayed behind, and I helped send money to friends that needed it as they evacuated. I worked to start an advocacy group to help the 300 kids who are stuck in the adoption process. One of those is my daughter. 200 of these kids that are already in the process of being adopted in America and those families are having trouble getting their their kids out. Can you explain what that situation is? Yeah, you're exactly right. There's almost 200 kids that are have been hosted. A lot of them gone to America, connected with families, and now some of them were weeks away from finalizing adoption. And here we are in the middle of this war and we're getting no word from government officials that there's actually a possibility now to either adopt these kids or even get them to the families in America who, who already know them and love them. They still haven't come home yet. You can pray for that. We've coordinated travel and transport for kids coming out. Justin met busloads of kids at the border to help them get to safety. He rented houses and apartments and places for these kids to stay. We worked with Ukrainian officials to help move kids across the borders and into safe places in neighboring countries. These were tireless nights, full of us pleading that God would save the people that we love and kids that we love from a country we love so dearly. People were very generous, and we allowed that generosity to flow through our ministry to the people who needed it the most. Thank you for being part of that. After we got many people to safety, we shifted our efforts. We put on summer camps to reconnect with the kids we love and bring them joy and hope. We got full of summer camps. We traveled a lot. Trains, planes, lots of cars. Trains, planes, and lots of car rides. I flew up and more. 
stinking plane. We went to seven countries in seven weeks. Germany, France, Czech Republic, and DC, Austria, Switzerland. We taught Bible lessons, fun lessons of chess and Legos, and taught them emotion classes to help them learn simple skills, like deep breathing, for the moments when the fear would overtake them. My favorite part of the camp was the morning exercises. What was your favorite exercise? Monkey. <laughs> I like it. Chuckle life day. My favorite part was helping with the kids. Thank you for giving and making these camps possible. It was the hardest six months of our lives, but we know God has been with us through it all. We plan to go back this winter. We're going to put on Christmas programs. To go give them some love, some hugs, and presents. Because those kids love Christmas presents too. Please continue to support and to walk this hard journey with us. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you. Thanks for all your help. Don't stop praying for us. There's still so much we need to help with. And pray for Ukraine. So I look at that, and a lot of that just started by us obeying these little moments. And I want to go through some of the key verses and the key values that we've actually instilled as a family that as I kind of re-engineer, like, how did we get here doing what we love. Like I've always dreamed of traveling as a family, doing ministry as a family, making a huge impact. And so I just wanted to re reverse engineer a few of the principles that we've kind of found as anchor points for our family that I believe as, as all of us can, whether we have families, whether we have kids or not, I believe that it can be very helpful in moving us forward to impact more people. And one of the key life verses that I have been sealed into my heart forever is Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are created for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, I know sometimes you say good works in a church, and it's like, get out of here. We're saved by grace, people. And we are. If you proceed that verse above it, it says, We are saved by grace through faith. It's, it's a gift of God. But you know what? That's not where the story actually ends. The story, that's actually where the story begins. Because actually in this verse, we are created for good works. There's an essence of it that's like, yes, you are created. You're knit in your mother's womb. God knew you before the foundations were laid. But also this word, if you really study the Greek, it's almost better to say you were recreated. Because when you became a Christian, you died to your old life. You died to the citizenship of this world. You were born into the new kingdom of God with the King Jesus. You're born again, right? We say this, we're born again. So in that moment also, you're actually born into the kingdom of God and you actually have a purpose and a part to play in it. Do you realize that? You're not just here taking up breath. You're not just here by accident. You're not just here to just live your life, but you're actually here to make an incredible difference in the kingdom of God because there's a broken and lost world all around us, whether it's across the globe or across the street, that needs us to step up and step in to our God-given gifting, calling, and abilities that God has given us. 
One of the ways I've broken this down to make it clear for me is um, three ways. So I've really found that if you, how do you live this Ephesians 2.10 life? This life where you're saying, I'm actually living this life. I'm in this zone, and I like to call it the sacred sweet spot. I know, that's good. You can tell that to the person next to you. Say, sacred sweet spot. Kids in the back. Kids, can you look at me a minute? I didn't, enter, how, how are you guys, kids? You good? I didn't get your name. At the count of three, can you all shout your name to me? One, two, three. It is nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So if you look at the sacred sweet spot, I've broken it down into three, like a Venn diagram, where the sacred sweet spot, the Ephesians 2.10 life is in the middle. And on the one side circle, you have skills and abilities. Because God has given every single one of us certain skills and abilities that others don't have. My wife has a skill and ability of administration. I do not have that gift whatsoever. It's not my gift. There's certain gifts that people have in music, and, and all, there's hundreds and hundreds of specific gifts, and not one of us in this room all have the same exact gift and skill set. Isn't that amazing? The other section is passions and desires. And we can get weird about this as Christians, but I actually believe, like there's a verse in Psalms that says, uh, he will give you the desires of your heart. As you seek him, as you put him first, he will give you the desires of, of your heart. And I actually believe that means he will implant the right desires into your heart and then he'll give them to you. And so I believe if we find and list out and in, in are intentional about what are the God-given gifts that I've been given? And then what are the passions and desires that I have? Because to be honest, if you're really good at something but you don't have a passion about it, you're not going to have the grit, the resilience, the longevity to continue doing that thing for the long term. You might... You might love to um, teach the Bible, for example, but you do not like traveling. But you're like, well, I'm a Christian, so I better travel and, and go be a missionary. But then you're going to give up because you're not passionate about that. You might be passionate about, uh, for me, for example, I I'm good at um, construction. I grew up doing it. I'm really good at it. I'm not passionate about it. It's not a passion of mine. So therefore, I'm not going to have that long-term grit to do it. Um, but therefore, also on the other side, if you're really passionate about something, but you're not good at it, you know, we've all seen American Idol, right? Like the people who are like, I'm going to do it. And their mom was like, you are good. And then they get on stage and they weren't good. They weren't good. They were passionate, but they weren't good at it. But then what I really believe as we dig into this is the last quadrant. Well, it's not a quadrant if there's three. You know what I'm saying. We've got the three circles. The bottom circle is lost and broken people. And I honestly believe this is something we miss out on a lot because if we're just, and you hear this all the time, we do this all the time, I do this all the time, we end up praying a lot of prayers that are about strategy, if we're honest. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to do it? But actually... I believe we're getting the wrong answers or no answer because we're actually praying the wrong thing. God isn't as concerned about what to do, where to do it, how to do it. But actually, God's kingdom is advanced through people. God's purpose for our life has to connect with people. That's how God advances his kingdom is through people. So if we turn that around and we actually start to pray, God, who is it you want me to reach with my life? 
Now I can go back to my skills and abilities, passions and desires, and those are actually strategies in order to reach those people. Does that make sense? And I believe we get so caught up in like, even young people, what college should I go to? What major should I do? Or adults, what job should I do? What career should I go in? But I believe we should actually turn that around and say, God, who is it that you want me to reach in this world? Who am I supposed to reach and impact with my life? And now I'm going to say, okay, with that as the foundation, now I'm going to say, okay, what is the gifts and abilities, skills and desires, passions that God has given me in order to reach those people? Let me give you an example. Like I told you, I'm good at construction, but I'm not passionate about it. So therefore, I didn't decide to go build homes for the poor. That's a great thing to do. That's an amazing thing to do. Some of you, that is what you should do. That is not my passion. But one thing I am obsessively passionate about is coffee. I love it too much. In fact, this wasn't planned, but I'm wearing coffee socks right now. I love coffee. I geek out on it. I watch YouTube videos. I'm good at it. I can do the designs in the coffee. I try to get better at it every day. Uh, I'm really passionate about it. And when we were living in Ukraine... We had a aged out orphan living with us. And he was 19 years old. And actually in a little bit, we're going to watch a video with him. And I was just, he was at our house and I was making coffee. And I was thinking, what is next for this kid? Like, what's next for him? I love him. I want to help him. We've shared Jesus with him. But we, he needs a lot of help besides just that. He needs Jesus. He needs a community. He needs life skills, job skills, training. And so... While I'm making coffee, I thought, oh my goodness, what if we start a coffee training program for aged out orphans that could train them and develop them with coffee and we can integrate Bible and life skills and job skills? And we did. About six weeks later, we launched our first program we called Filtered Hope. And we had a six-week program with 15 orphans that came through and had training and gospel. And it was absolutely amazing. But really, the, question, the reason God gave us that wasn't because I was like, what creative thing should I do, God? What kind of cool thing should I do? No, the question that was at the bottom of that is who and how am I going to reach this kid? How am I going to reach this kid? And then it was like, oh, wow, I actually have the skill and ability, passions, desires for this. I can connect it to God's purpose, which is people. And I believe every one of us has that. And some of you might be like, well, I just, I love working and I love making money. Well, guess what? There's a lot of ministries and a lot of people that need money. So make it a purpose. Make that your drive. Sorry, I, you know, I was at a woman's conference all week um, sharing our ministry and talking and my voice feels like two octaves lower and I just squeaked. Uh, so I apologize about that. Um, and so I, I want everybody from the front to the back to realize that this is for you, man. And, and, and families in the back, I want you to know that how you live this out is how your kids are going to live this out. If they see you pursuing the what and the how and the where, they will pursue the what and the why the hair, but the hair. I don't have hair. Um, <laughs> If they see you pursuing that, then that will be their foundation of what they think is important. But families, let me tell you, if you put Jesus first and how are we going to reach people with our lives, with our family, then that's the life they're going to model. Our boys, because we've done this, like I said, we gave up Christmas this year. 
We said, we're not doing Christmas. We're going to take Christmas to orphans. And it didn't harm them. It actually blessed my kids. They love these orphans. They have a heart for orphans. And even one of the summer camps we were doing, we're traveling all over after one of the camps. Um, we said, guys, tomorrow, why don't you stay and rest? Like, it's been grueling. It's long days. It, my two boys, my 11 and 8-year-old, and they said, no way. We're not missing a day to go love on these kids. Man, come on. That is amazing. But that comes through modeling serving Jesus first. Is this good so far? Are you enjoying it? I believe we need a cultural pendulum. We've had too many cultural pendulum swings that are too much. And families in the back, I really want you to hear this because I believe it's incredibly important. We went from, you know, you read books of old and ministries of old, and it went from, if I want to serve God and be on mission, I have to actually abandon my family. So you saw a lot of stories of unhealth where men would be gone forever and never really part of their family for the sake of the ministry, for the sake of the church. That was wrong. But then now we've had a cultural pendulum swing where we've actually said, family's our first ministry. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're using that as an excuse. We say, oh, well, I, you know, our family is just our first ministry. So, and I'm going to agree with you that it is, but it's also not the only ministry. So I want to tell you this phrase is that I believe you cannot abandon your family for the mission, but you also cannot abandon the mission for your family. I'm going to say that again. You cannot, you cannot abandon your family for the mission, but you can also not abandon the mission for your family. I believe that we can do it together. I believe that even as a church, as a family, as a big family unit, that we can actually serve God together and not have a parsed out cycle of, well, this is family, and then maybe when the kids get older, I can do this. And you know, that's also the second point. It's a value that we've lived by as a family early on, is that if God gave us the vision and dream before kids, then that actually means we were meant to do it with our kids. And too many times in our day, and what I've seen, is that you have young people passionate about God, going, God, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything, I'm gonna reach this people group, I'll be a missionary, I'll plant a church, I'll give my life for Jesus. It's like, well, now I have kids, so I guess that plan's gone. Man, I don't believe it should be that way. I don't believe it should be that way at all. It's like we're saying, it's, you know, it's like, God, is he omniscient and omnipresent, and is he everywhere, or is he not? Like, was God confused when he's like, listen, young, young person, I have an amazing calling for your life. I want you to reach all these people. And then they had kids, and God's like, great, now my plan shot. They went and had kids. I didn't know that was going to happen. But that's kind of how we act sometimes, isn't it? Because we're like, I'm going to go anywhere. I'll do anything. It's like, now I have a family and kids. But if we're honest with that, underneath that is actually fear. It's fear. Well, I, I got to provide. I've got to do, and you do, but guess what? God's actually the provider. And the best way you can know you're going to get provided for is by doing what he called you to do. Man, we've had some crazy stuff in our family where we've had to step out in faith to do what we're doing. But all the things we're doing now are things that God spoke to us 20 years ago. Over 20 years ago, my wife and I, we're actually dating. We're high school sweethearts. You can say, oh. Man, I know. We met when we were 12, actually. We rode the school bus together. And um, I was very small and annoying, and she was, like, taller than me and beautiful. And I, I don't know how. I have no idea what, how, like, God just blesses us sometimes. I don't know how I got her. 
But, you know, 20 years ago, um, I became a Christian, um, really, actually, partly through her family, which is a really beautiful story. And we went on a mission trip to Russia, to an orphanage. When I was 16 years old, it was actually the same orphanage that one of her brothers, the Messer family adopted from Russia, who was here at this church when they adopted him. So 20, you know, 20 years ago, we went with the mission team to this orphanage that was in the same city. And even at that time, when my wife and I were dating, we started to feel this desire for orphan care. And we're like, wow, if we ever get married, we want to do orphan care. And, and um, even one of the pendulum moments there was we were sharing pictures with some of the orphans at the orphanage. And this one boy comes up and Alea shows a picture of her whole family, the Messer family and the boy, Alec. And this other little boy goes, that's, that's your brother? And he starts sobbing. And he said, I used to live with him in this other orphanage in the city. And in that moment, me and my wife were both like, oh my goodness, like you saw the dichotomy of the two lives. Like one boy, no family, no hope for a future. His teeth were already rotting. No clothes were dirty and torn. And then Alea's brother, who now was in a beautiful church family, had, you know, good schooling, life ahead of him, all this stuff. And we said, whatever we do, we want to adopt or be a part of orphan care when we're older. And guess what? That seed was sown before we had kids. And all these things we're walking in today are things God spoke 20 years ago. But if we would have just said, well, now we have kids, let's raise them and then maybe one day we'll serve God again. I believe, God, we, I believe guys, that we need to come to this and go, like, what? Here's the question. Listen, what needs rekindled in you that maybe you've thrown away from the past? What needs rekindled? What dreams, desires, passions of God to reach people have you put to the side for family, for career, for all of this? And I just want you to bring it back up to the surface and say, God, yeah, have I left that? Have I abandoned that? Do I need to bring that up? Have I handled that wrong? Do I need to bring that back in and serve now with whatever I have? These people that you've called me to, maybe 30 years ago, guys, maybe 40 years ago, and I'm believing even right now, God is re-stirring things in your heart that maybe you've let die and go dormant. Is there a clock I should be looking at for timing? Where am I ending at, 10? Okay. Otherwise, I will go all day. I'm not going to lie to you. I will go all day. The next value I really want to talk about, and I touched on it before, but we, we planted a firm value in our family years ago that said we will never ever make a decision out of fear only faith second timothy 1 7 says for god did not give us a spirit of fear but of power love and of a sound mind and if we're honest sometimes we make logical decisions that are actually underneath it fear it's fear. And even in our day and age with all this stuff going on in the world and all this, if we're not careful, we're making decisions out of fear and not out of faith. And we've had some crazy stories, guys. We have had moments where we had to really make some scary decisions in order to follow what we felt God was putting on our heart. One of them was in 2018. 
our ministry was starting to grow, but it was part-time. I was a realtor. And then two years before, we had we renovated a house. Like, it was awesome. I was finally making money as a realtor. We had renovated this house. It was the perfect floors and house, uh, wall color and everything we wanted. And then we got to a point where I felt like God was saying, you can keep this life and keep doing ministry part-time, or you can go all in and watch what I'll do with it. And so me and my family, family of six, we, we, I gave up my real estate business. We sold our home, and we bought an RV, and we traveled America fundraising for our ministry and starting to see God do incredible things. And it was scary, but God provided moment after moment. And here's what's, what's cool, is the boys have seen God come through in miraculous ways over and over again. Now, what does that do to their faith? Man, there was a moment I remember, um, and I don't know if, if he does, but I, I remember there was a moment after we had sold everything and the money still wasn't coming in. And I remember reading the Bible and I just kept getting verse after verse from the Lord confirming, like, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide. And I'm like, it doesn't look like you are. Come on, Lord, help me. But I just kept getting verse after verse. And then I remember just God giving me such a faith, like, no, he is going to provide. And even we were, I was walking one time with my son, and I said, Tyron, you watch. God is going to provide for us in an incredible way through this situation. You watch. I promise you. And then a few weeks later, we get home. We're kind of out of money. And I'm like, man, what was that all about? I call a friend and start talking to him. And out of the blue, he's like, how about I send you $10,000? Would that help? I'm like, it would help. It would, it would help a lot, actually. And we've had story after story like that where I'm like, even... Um, when we moved to U in Ukraine, uh, sorry, in 2020, when uh, COVID hit, does anybody remember that? It was like, everything's a little fuzzy. None of us quite remember what happened. It seems like a dream. But 2020 hit, <coughs> and uh, we said to ourselves, like, okay, we either, <coughs> sorry, step into this thing. Or it's going to shrivel up and die. And we felt God saying to keep stepping. Don't, don't make decisions out of fear, which we wanted to hunker in. We were going to go out in faith. So in 2020, actually, early 2020, we moved to Ukraine with our family. And we were still, like, didn't quite have a salary for our ministry. And it was still, it was a step of faith because we're like, is there going to be a, the world is going to die or what? You know, and it was just it, bold. We like, God gave us this bold faith to just go. And we still didn't quite have the money. A few months in, it was still tight. And then an old friend called, and he goes, hey, I had this weird dream last night about me, like, changing money around and a certain amount I should give you. I'm like, well, that's crazy. He's like, no, I'm doing it, man. So a few weeks later, he, he sent $80,000 to our bank account. I, I've never even seen that much money. Like, but... All of these things, you guys, happened by things God spoke to us over 20 years ago that we just decided we're going to keep walking in. We're not going to pursue our comfort. We're not going to pursue the strategy, the what, the how. We're not going to pursue that. What we're going to pursue is putting Jesus first and people first. We're going to pursue impacting people, and we believe that no matter what, then God is going to continue to be faithful in provision, in safety, in wisdom. And let me tell you, now that we have stepped out and we get to hear stories from orphans, like, we, when are you coming again? This is the best time we've had in our life. And hearing stories from 
There's a girl, an older orphan, she's 17 in one of the orphanage. She saw her, the reason she's out is her parents saw, got murdered in front of her. Her, her dad got murdered, her mom in front of her. Horrible stuff, terrible story. And she told me, when you're sharing your testimony at night, I just, sometimes I want to laugh because I'm so filled with joy. And sometimes I want to cry because I feel the spirit of God so close to me. But guess what? That only happened because of keeping Jesus first and having people first at the center. And so I want to ask you guys, who is it that God is calling you to reach? Who is it that God is calling you to reach? I don't care if you're 8 or 80 in this room. If you have breath in your lungs, friend, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You are here for a reason to build the kingdom of God until he comes back to make it perfect. We have work to do. There are lost, hurting, and broken people all across the globe. And I want to pray for us. Um, I want to pray for us that we would step up and say, God, I will. I will go across the street. I will go across the globe. I will, if, I'm, if I have a great job, I'm going to use it for your kingdom. If I'm good with kids, I'm going to use it for your kingdom. And I'm going to pray that this would be a revolutionary shift in your life, that no matter what you go out of from here, you stop asking, what should I do? How should I do it? Where should I go? But your, the, the motto of your life should, will just be, God, who is it that you want me to reach? Can we pray that prayer this morning? Uh, let's stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. And families back there, I want you to pray as a family. And men, look at me, men. Men in the back with families. Man, you guys matter so much to your family. And I believe we need a generation of men who will lead their family in faith, in fire, and in purpose. So men, I want you to lead your families back there in prayer. The Bible says in Joshua, choose this day who you will serve. This day, this day, guys, who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve money? Are you going to serve comfort? Are you going to serve the American dream? Are you going to serve the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ? So families back there, if you are able, hold hands with your family. Get together as a family. Let this be a moment that this is the day that we are choosing. We, no matter what, we will serve God as a family. We will serve, sacrifice, and give to build God's kingdom through impacting people. And if you don't have a family, just be with yourself. Be with you and God. If you feel comfortable, lift your hands to heaven, and we're just going to pray. Jesus, thank you, God, that you love us so much. Thank you that we are not an accident, that you knit us in our mother's womb, but also that even more than that, that you actually came into our life and when we chose to give you our life, we were recreated and reborn. And we have a purpose on earth right now for your kingdom. And I speak now over dead dreams. I speak now over dead dreams that were buried. Dreams that you placed in these amazing men and women maybe years ago. I pray in Jesus' name they would be rekindled. I pray they would be rekindled. Whether it's churches or ministries or missions or giving. God, I pray, God, that you would rekindle dead dreams and dead visions, God. I pray that you would bring conviction where maybe we've put things above you. that you would show us where have we put comfort or the American dream or our own safety above a bold faith in you, Jesus. And God, the families, I pray, God, that they would 
be families who serve you, not just the mom, not just the dad, but God, that they would be a family who serves you, that they would leave a legacy of faith, they would leave a legacy of impact, they would leave a legacy of Jesus in their family. Use this moment, friends, to let the Spirit of God who is alive, who is active, who is here, speak, rekindle old dreams, or I'm speaking new dreams. I'm speaking vision and purpose over every life here. That you would even see clear vision of what God would have for your life. You are created for good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. He already has the plan in place. 